I can't read this yet. <laughs> I started reading it. It's a very interesting fic. It gives. I was confused. It made me so. Uh, I thought it was Marauder's fic. I know. So did I. I'm like, Raymond. Did I write Marauder's fic somewhere? Did I mess it up? No, it's just us. I think it just seems like a Marauder's fic at the beginning. Okay. So I finally caved and got my iPhone. Did you? I did. Trisha, did you get an iPhone or an iPad? I got a iTouch. An iTouch. I won it, too. I know you did. That's so cool. I I actually didn't believe that it would. You actually what? I didn't believe that I actually won it until actually I got it. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed like, yeah, it's too good to be true. Yeah. That is so cool. It is. Is Scarlet here? Scarlet is, but she's typing because she doesn't have her. She's just here. Because ah, I, I just, I just now see. <laughs> I was just like, I looked down. I'm like, oh, something keeps on blipping at me. Am I louder mm. now? A little bit, but not very much. All right. How about now? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You sound okay. It's just like you're speaking through a tube. You sound or something. like you're in the closet. You're in the drawer. <laughs> I'm in the drawer. I'm sorry, this whole new thing is so weird to me. Oh, that's right. You're on a new computer, too. Uh-huh. What kind of computer is it? It's um a Dell. It's a studio. So far, it's been really freaking... Uh, well, my, my last computer was a piece of shit. <laughs> 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 this is like anything is better. That's cool. I love how Scarlet has a Ravenclaw crest on her Skype icon, just to balance us all off. Is that what that is? Because I can't see. Because, you know, mm-hmm. my sight is less than perfect. It's got We're sort of a fractal brown background, but then there's the Ravenclaw crest on the front. Who wants to start this? I don't know. Did we have someone who recommended it particularly? or? P.S. Ah, well, <laughs> she's not here, so <laughs> anybody. And uh, we need to say it is what number it is. Cause I so long as we do the thing where, like, for Thursday, April 42nd, it's episode 123 of Potterfic. Well, you know, okay. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. we put that in the intro, that works too. Okay. April 42nd? <laughs> yeah, April 42nd, yep. That's what you wanted to say. <laughs> you never know. That was really good. I'm not sure how you get there, but eventually it will be April 42nd somewhere. Yep. <laughs> For Monday, April 4th. 2011, this is episode 121 of Potterfic Weekly. Not as cool a number, though. Hey, Ron, the next time in this episode, we feature typically Puffwanian on-topic discussion. Not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> I can touch my toes to the faucet. I can turn on the sink with my feet. It's like the Manhattan Project. Don't take offense to this, guys. You guys are the most dysfunctional people. <laughs> no, they're not! <laughs> we'll always laugh before the end. Weekly, where the story lands. Welcome back to Potterfic Weekly, the Peon edition. I am Kat, also known as Lassie Lupin on the forums. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. I'm Trisha. And we have Scarlet duct taped in the corner. <laughs> Yet again. Yep, we like Scarlet duct taped in the corner. She can make great comments, but she's quiet about it. And we can ignore her if we choose. <laughs> 
Even when she tries to do it. She is hitting you all over the head right now, so, you know. (laughs) I noticed that. Eventually, she will get a headset and be able to record with us. Anyway, yes. We are going to be talking about a founder's fic called Moon and Stone. It's by Andrea13 and... Oh, I don't even Stephanie Corey or Core. I'm not sure how she pronounces the last name, but the first name would be Persephone. Andrea is the one who wrote the Thinking Cap series that we covered last season when we were still peons. And Persephone is one of her most prolific reviewers on that series. And so now they've gotten together and written a whole full length founder fic, which mm-hmm. is kind of exciting. It is. And I kind of like the premise of this. And we're going to jump right in and start with it. So we have Salazar waking up, apparently at night, and he is laying on the stone-cold floor of something, and there's something over him, and he's very, very cold, and he realizes that he's been caught, and we find out that he's a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Which You don't even know it's Salazar for the first several paragraphs. It made me so angry. For some reason, I wasn't paying attention to the summary in the peon room. And when I was copying it to my text reader, I was talking to you guys. So I wasn't paying attention to what I was copying. So I thought it was a Marauder Era fic. And that's why I signed up for this. Because I'm like, I love Marauder Era. I'm so excited for the podcast. I don't really delve into Founders. Because I find it kind of... A very tough needle of thread, and a lot of authors don't do it to my specification, so I don't even go there. So when I was like, okay, there's a werewolf on the floor. Ooh, ooh, this is good, this is good. And there were people talking, and then I was like, oh, this is Founders. Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was much swearing going on with that one. I did the same thing. (laughs) Well, thanks for sticking through with us anyway. I was just like, why is he kissing? I'm like, wait a minute, this is not him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two Lupin fans and you teased us. You did, <laughs> it was sad. It's in the uh, summary. It says I didn't read the summary. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. <laughs> Legends always have a basis in fact, but sometimes they change so much as to be unrecognizable. Return to the time of Hogwarts' founding and discover the truth behind the Chamber of Secrets and the first werewolf at Hogwarts. It starts out with him lying on this floor, and he's been trapped. He's got a silver net that's over top of him, and there's a woman who's talking to him. She's wondered when he was going to wake up, and he's being raspy and sarcastic because it's the day after a full moon, and he is convinced that they're probably going to kill him. Right. Now, I was a little confused by this because... Most of the fics that I've read dealing with silver and werewolves, contact with silver is like a third degree burn. So I was like, why would they put a net of, like, wouldn't that kill him? Like, if you were confined, I understand like a silver cage, but like, from what I understood, this was like a net. Well, Mm -hmm. the way I see it is that it's a silver net, but it would be like a cage. So it's not resting on him. We find out a little bit further on that they feel him coming, that Godric can feel him coming. And so they have a few minutes to prepare, but not very long before he's upon them. And the fastest thing that they could come up with was this enclosure of silver that Mm -hmm. they have on him. So I don't think it's actually resting on him, although it has affected him in that it's really sapped his strength even more than usual. 
It describes it as being made of silver cords, and they're sort of sunk into the stone that he's on. So it is self-supporting. It's not sagging onto him. Mm-hmm. But we haven't heard in this what exactly silver does to them anyway. It's just that he flinches when he sees actual silver. And at one point, when the woman, who turns out to be Helga, is releasing this net the ends of the cords kind of skitter over him, and it doesn't describe them burning or anything, just that he sort of ducks as this Mm -hmm. happens. So we don't actually know what silver would do to him, just that it does have some sort of effect. Right. I like what it says here. A small woman, not that that meant anything, when this field of silver around him argued strongly for a witch's hand to be involved. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed, cheerful, he loathed her immediately. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Aw, poor Helga. So, unrelentingly cheerful. Yes. Versus snarky. Yep. Well, to be fair, he's having a bad day. (laughs) He is. And he really thinks that they're going to kill him. His first thought is, okay, I've been caught. Why haven't they killed me? Oh, well, maybe they're going to torture me. They're going to play with me first and torture me before they kill me. Uh Because he's been around long enough as a werewolf to know that no one trusts him and that they all hunt him. And so he's sure that that's what's going to happen now. Mm Mm-hmm. And then here she takes the net off, and he's sort of going, why did you have it in the first place if you're just going to take it off? And that's when we realized that they realized he was coming, but they were kind of in a hurry because it's a charging werewolf. And this was the first thing they could do. And he was wandering around in the forest trying to be as far away from people as possible. And there they were doing spell experiments in the middle of the forest because they were being as far away from other people as possible. And now that he's gotten past the first, oh, they're going to kill me, he's worried, did he do something to someone else? Did he hurt anyone? That's his biggest fear, is that he's attacked somebody. And he immediately starts apologizing, which he does a lot in this story. You know, did I hurt somebody? Did I bite somebody? I didn't know anybody was in the forest, I swear. And she says, Mm -hmm. no, it's fine. You didn't hurt anybody. And he said, okay, I'll leave at once. I won't be anywhere near you in the next full moon. And she says, well, you can't leave now. And he's like, oh, no, they're going to lock me up. Yeah. This is his immediate assumption. And he's gone from this mantra of, please, please, please don't let me have hurt anyone to, I promise I won't cause any more problems. Now he's going, please don't let anyone decide they need to rid the world of werewolves starting with this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He has various knots of dread in his stomach, and they all have names. And, of course, he's hissing all this time because he's under a little bit of stress. Yeah. I don't suppose you would have caught that, Sue, because their text reader doesn't pick it up. But no. he hisses most of the S's through this whole thing, and then occasionally they get longer. As I was just noticing goes. that as I'm looking at it. Yeah. So was I. She says, can you walk? And he says, sure, I can walk. And he starts to stand up, and he just, he can't. So she kneels down and puts her hand on his back, which just, you know, messes him up. No one who's known he's a werewolf has voluntarily touched him in years. And he just doesn't quite know how to deal with Mm -hmm. it. And she kind of levitates him up, tucks her shoulder under his arm, and takes him to a bathroom with a tub in it. And he's just amazed. Mm -hmm. He has no idea why she's being so nice to him. Mm -hmm. It turns out she's a healer, which is kind of fun for Helga. I can definitely see that Mm -hmm. being the case. So she's trying to get him unchilled as easily as possible. So she's got a hot bath for him that she keeps reheating as he's in it. And he has a cup of soup to drink. And at first, he he starts drinking it, and then he's like, oh, it could have been poison, but, well, she could have killed me a lot easier than doing all of that. So mm-hmm. he drinks it anyway. Yeah, she gives him water first, and he's like, 
oh, well, that could have been poisoned. And so the next cup she gives him, he's not going to drink, but it tastes so good he just can't help himself. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, it's just water. But mm-hmm. he hasn't had any clean water for some time. And he's just generally, he's exhausted and dehydrated and injured and all sorts of things. So, mm-hmm. And this is where we realize who they are. I sort of suspected this was going to be Helga rather than Rowena already, but she tells well, him Well, I name. think the hug gave it away. Or wait, that's later, but yeah. Mm-hmm. The and he says... The yep. cheerfulness. <laughs> and he says he's Salazar, and uh, finally he does ask her, why on earth are you being so nice to me? And she doesn't see it as anything odd. Right. Because, well, he's there, he needs somebody to take care of him, why shouldn't she? And she leaves to go get something. I think she goes to get the water, the second cup of water. And he sinks down into the tub. And when she comes back in, she kind of startles him. And he sloshes water all over the floor and immediately starts apologizing. And and all of a sudden, he realizes he doesn't have his wand. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to figure out where it is without being obvious about it. Because he's afraid that if they know, if she knows he's looking for it, then she'll make sure he doesn't get it. And he's sort of looking around, and she's like, oh, you want your wand, don't you? And just hands it to him, and he's just startled again. (laughs) He's obviously been very ill-treated, which in those times, well, even in canon times, so werewolves were mostly ill-treated, so that's not hard to understand. And he just doesn't understand why she's being so nice. And she says, you don't deserve what happened to you. You obviously are concerned about biting other people because he's apologized all over himself and has said that he was only there because he didn't think there were other people there. And at this point he says, and put somebody else through this? I would never do that. So she knows that he's not one of the werewolves that goes around trying to bite people. And she says, well, you're perfectly normal, except for this one day. Why should I be afraid? And it comes out later that she is just a little bit afraid of him, but she's also made of stern stuff and she just works through her fear, and she's a healer. She takes care of him. That's what she does. Mm. And she's here because she was friends with Rowena and Godric. This is their place, and she just moved in to help with one thing and has sort of stuck around and been of help in their experiments. And apparently they're something of a couple, though they don't actually admit it at this point. Mm -hmm. And this is when I, I started going, oh, please... Because it seems like every Founders fic that you read, they they have to be matched up. Like, there are four of them, two girls, two boys. I know it's been brought up in last season with another fic that was a Founders fic, but it's always Godric and Rowena and Salazar and Helga. And while I know a lot of couples who are Hufflepuffs and Slytherins and they're perfectly happy that way, it's not always like that. Helga could be matched up with Godric. Mm-hmm. That's true. I think I've read at least one where that was the case, but I can't remember for sure which one it was. It's sort of the matchup you would find more natural in canon with the houses rather than the founders. Just in general, the Slytherins would get along better with the Ravenclaws than they would with either the Hufflepuffs or the Gryffindors. Exactly. And- I mean, I just seen in canon like Snape and, and, and of course these are very snarky characters, but Snape and Malfoy, they seem to look down on Hufflepuffs more than Gryffindors even. And it's just like, well, why would they get together with them? Like, it, it doesn't compute in my head as a canon thing. And it seems like so much of the fandom has accepted that as, oh, it's canon that, you know, Slytherin and Hufflepuff are a perfect couple. And I'm just like, I, I think they would kind of 
drive each other crazy. And then just added on to the whole, like, oh, Helga's a healer and Salazar's a werewolf. So it's, you know, like, it's just perfect. And it's just like a little gift-wrapped box of fluff and joy. And, uh, and I'm just like, can I just go barf now? Because this is getting too disgusting. Aww. Personally, I enjoyed reading it, but I do see your points. Yeah, I liked it. But this is only the second Founders story that I've ever read, if you don't count the Thinking Cap series. So I don't have that background. Having them get together like that isn't something that bothers me because I haven't seen it a gazillion times like you seem to have. Mm -hmm. The one that I sort of smirked a little bit at is, of course, they make Salazar the potions master because it has to be the Slytherin who knows the potions. That works perfectly well for the story. But I think it would be neat to sometime have it be Godric who does potions or just. Well, and that's all I'm saying. Like, it just seems like there's. They don't all necessarily have to go with the canon things. Well, there there are certain things that, you know, you have to go with the canon on, but Mm -hmm. it's such an open thing because, you know, all you need to do is make sure that Hufflepuffs are very open minded, Slytherins are shrewd. Godric valued bravery and Ravenclaw, you know, valued those who were studious. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's all you need. And everything else is open for, you know, whatever you want. And it just seems like people have preconceived notions of how these founders were. And like, it's canon that, you know, all Slytherins are good at potions. And just that's not necessarily true. The two potions masters were Slytherins doesn't mean there could never be a Ravenclaw potions master or a Gryffindor potions master. Like, if Lily had survived and gone on to be in her 30s or something, I could easily have seen her becoming the potions master. Right. We knew she was good at potions. And, she's and I, re- I read fics where Lily Potter is the potions master. And I love those fics because it's just like, let's think around all the cliches that the fandom has adopted. Mm-hmm. That said, I do love that Godric is the herbology guy. <laughs> that I did enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing. It's not necessarily Helga who does plants. Yeah. So he still thinks that he's going to be caged because at one point he said, I'll leave. And she said, you can't leave now, meaning because you're sick and hurt. But he takes it that he's going to be kept and he's going to be Mm -hmm. caged. And part of him is upset about that. And part of him says, well, at least they seem nice and they'll feed me and maybe I'll just have a nice cage to live in. And that way, at least I know I'll never bite somebody. Mm-hmm. And so she takes him to his room and he again is just flabbergasted because she's taken him to a very nice room, uh, albeit a little strange because the chair acts like a dog and comes up and pants next to him just about. Because apparently <laughs> yeah. Rowena has been experimenting. It's the Beauty and the Beast chair. (laughs) That's exactly what I said. Wasn't that an ottoman? But yeah. Yeah, it was an ottoman. With the the family dog. (laughs) No, no, not the master's chair. I'm not seeing this. I'm not seeing this. Hello there, boy. What service? All right. This has gone far enough. I'm in charge here. Ah, would you like a nice pot of tea, sir? It'll warm you up in no time. Oh, no tea. No tea. 
he is just overwhelmed because this is all more than he expected. So this is when he sort of changes the subject and tries to find out who they are just because it's another subject to have. She brings him soup and he basically inhales it and then he's like, oh, um, thanks, the soup. Yeah. And I don't know what it is she was going to cast or if she just happened to have her wand in her hand when she was coming to retrieve the soup bowl and he was kind of fighting not to flinch because she's pointing a wand at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely... I don't know if you can call it post-traumatic stress because he's still suffering traumatic stress every month, but it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. What did you say, Trisha? The Salazar is just not what I expect. He, no. he reminded, honestly, even after like this entire way through, he reminded me of Remus. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, being yeah. a werewolf. Not I'd even werewolf. just that, like in his mannerisms. Uh, it just didn't remind me of my idea of what Slytherin would be. Well, my bad thing is my Slytherin to me is always going to be Draco. Did someone say Draco we can't hear you again. You're in. You're, the, you're further into the dryer. Further down the tunnel. <laughs> it was like you were walking away as you talked. Oh no! Okay, how about now? That's better. When I think of a Slytherin, I think of Draco, and it's. I mean, it's a bad thing to think that, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was our original he, Slytherin archetype. So yeah, pompous ass and all that other good stuff. Yeah, and, and knowing uh, how the story goes, how Slytherin goes off, I can't see it with this one. Hmm. Well, we still don't know how they're going to wrap up the second half of the story because we only read the first half for this podcast. That is, and that is true. That's true. And yeah. I actually know how it ends, and you will be surprised. Well, that's exciting. Which is one of I the guess reasons we'll have to come that back. I thought this would be a fun one to do. Because I like that they've made Salazar a werewolf because it just gives him that, you know, a little bit something extra. That little extra Mm -hmm. dimension. Yes. And then the end, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I'll be interested to see what you guys think. He's apparently a different sort of parcel mouth from Harry because he does hiss all the time, which makes it obvious to her that he's a parcel mouth and he's like, yeah, yeah, I am. And she's going to ask him questions because she's a healer and she's, there are a lot of parcel tongue spells that are healing spells. And she wants to know what it's like being a parcel mouth and various other things about that. Because we find out that there was at least one parcel mouth that was a very good healer and he made up a bunch of these spells. And so parcel mouths are kind of thought to be healers, more healers than other things. So at least in this universe, at this time, being a parcel mouth is not a bad thing. It's not mm-hmm. a, oh, mm-hmm. you do this, so you must be evil, because they were mostly healers. Yeah. I just thought of this now, but it mentions when she's talking about this ancient parcel mouth who wrote a lot of healing spells, it also says that's why more healing spells are in Greek than other classes of spells. I'm wondering if this ancient parcel mouth is supposed to be Asclepius or Hippocrates or one of those ancient Greek physicians. Brilliant! It never actually says, but it's interesting to think about. But one of the things that comes up later, one of the spells that she casts to help him, basically a calming spell, also projects into your mind an image of the caduceus, which is a staff with two snakes twined around it. And because he's a parcel mouth, he can hear them speaking to him. And so he reacts a lot more heavily to it than most other people do. Right. And it really works very well for him. And I thought that was quite neat. 
because the caduceus has been known as a symbol of medicine for quite some time. So, I also thought it was interesting, like the parallels between the caduceus, which like helps, and the crucius, which hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of a fun thing to look at. Yeah. And this is also where he realizes that they're not actually keeping him here. She mentions that they'd love for him to stay if he wants to learn more about healing spells and things like that. Oh, and maybe they could give him some space to work with his potions and help with that because she knows a few, but she's not very good. And he's mentioned earlier that he likes potions, but he hasn't had a proper stock or a laboratory for some time. And the way she's phrasing things makes it clearer to him that he wouldn't have to stay necessarily. And he says, but I thought you were just keeping me here. And where did you get that idea? And it all sort of comes out what it was that he misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. And he finally kind of settles down to sleep. And she goes out to finish her chores and runs across Rowena. And Godraken says, oh, he woke up and he's mostly healed and bathed and fed. And he looks better. And he's actually rather sweet. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell is a Hufflepuff? Yeah. And the bit that Kat mentioned that we skipped over a little bit earlier is she offers for him to come back for the full moon so there wouldn't be any risk if he was still leaving. And he basically breaks down and she hugs him. Mm -hmm. So you can tell she's a Hufflepuff. Yes. Yeah. And Where the house he of hugs. hugs back, and then he has to leave off a little bit because he doesn't know his own strength or isn't paying attention. She has to breathe, you know, details. Yeah, uh, and he, of course, is very, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. He does apologize a lot in this. It gets actually to the point where I was like, okay, I'm tired of this. But mm-hmm. yeah, he reminds me of who is it? He's reminding me of there. Harry. Possibly Harry. I was thinking maybe Neville in some fix as well. But yeah, I think it's some of the hairy ones where he's been more abused than usual and he just keeps apologizing all the time. Mm -hmm. And it might not even be a fix, but there's something that I'm remembering where they do the line, like he keeps saying, I'm sorry, and he's like, stop apologizing. And they say, I'm sorry. It's like, no apologizing for apologizing. And yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) just goes on. Anyway, yes, she meets up with Godric and Rowena and sort of compares notes. Yeah, and Helga says that she'd love to have him stay around because she can do potions, but she's not very good at them, and he could probably do what would take her three days in a day or a part of a day, and it would be just wonderful to have him. And Godric's already said that he thinks that there's a way to make it so that it's safe for the full moons. Mm -hmm. Because apparently Godric has some sort of talent for magically shaping stone, which is another interesting little thing. They, they all seem to have extra sides to them that you don't get from the canon, that they've just added stuff to. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of neat. Yes, it's another eye roll for the people who... I, I'm sorry, I just had such trouble with like, oh yeah, so there's a werewolf and now we have to figure out how to keep us out of danger. Oh, well, Godric can shape stone, so it's all good. Yeah, well, later on, I don't want to spoil things, but later on he does things with the Shaping Stone that fits in with canon, and you have to just, or at least I was like, okay, this is cool, I like how they manipulated this so that it fit with canon. It gives it a reason for them to have 
a giant castle for two people before they start taking students or anything, because he's just been playing around with doing all the stone stuff. Mm -hmm. This is his hobby, working with stones. He's made them a giant castle. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't know. My feeling is that it's this area. It's the stone in this area that he can work with. So, And I don't know if this is true or not, but it's just kind of the feeling that I got that there's something alive about the stone and that's why he can work with it and that's why Hogwarts Castle seems to kind of be alive. Staircases and everything. Right, the moving staircases and all of that stuff. And it just seems to me that there's something in... So he's channeling this magic that goes through the stone. I don't know if he's imparting part of himself or if it was just the area that they found where it was kind of alive or what, but that was kind of the impression that I got. Yeah. And I, I mean, was kind of I, I like almost it could almost go the other way too. That because he's been doing so much and shaping all this stone by magic rather than stacking blocks of stone, because it's all been done that way, Hogwarts becomes sort of semi sentient. So he in the end. It. And I yeah, so like I mean, to his some, old to some extent, hut like, off somewhere else would be the same way, but just smaller. That makes sense. Go, Kat. Okay, so to some extent, I really enjoyed it, because so many fics make Godric Gryffindor be able to manipulate fire. I'm not saying this is a bad thing, because, I mean, there are fics that I really love that have this as a factor. But it just seems like somebody introduced it to the fandom, and like everyone was like, Ooh, that's a good idea. Godric Gryffindor should control fire, because, you know... I'm not really sure why everyone got crazed by that. So it's refreshing to have someone say, well, you know, he could have another specialty like shaping stone. It just seemed a little like I really don't love watching authors move around chess pieces to make a story work just because I find that a good story means that you don't see the man behind the curtain. Who are you? Oh, I, I, I am the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. You are? Uh, I yes. don't believe you. No, I'm afraid it's true. There's no other wizard except me. And it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, because I could totally see the author doing that. So, you know, it makes everything work nice and pretty. Mm-hmm. At least they didn't do the same thing to all of them. The usual thing with that would be Godric can control fire and Rowena does wind and Helga does plants and earth and then Slytherin's left with water. and Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're under the lake. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So they don't all have an element power. I can see how it is a little bit odd because we've never heard of people having element powers at all. The fact that he can basically control stone with his mind, it's not that he's casting spells on it or anything. But on the other hand, we really know nothing about what magic was like 1,000 years ago or whenever the founders were generally set. It kind of makes a certain sort of sense that things would be a little bit less regimented and more amorphous than it is in the time of the canon. So I don't know. They're good points to bring up, but it's not something that threw me out of the story as I was reading it. So Right. Mm-hmm. So Helga lets him know that she really likes him. And Godric says, you want to like everybody. And then he says, mm-hmm. you know, don't get defensive. You tend to be an excellent judge from what I've seen, even if you put up with more than most. But you just like to like everyone. And she says, well, I want to like everyone, but that doesn't mean I do. And you'll like him too. Mm-hmm. Just wait. So... Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. And uh, yeah. he was falling asleep talking about magical theory. 
Well, in that case, he'll fit right in. Because <laughs> that's the thing that's been brought up also, is that Rowena and Godric just sort of get absorbed in each other doing all of these obscure magical theory stuff. Yeah, when they're not doing that, they're kind of bickering at each other. Like a Ron and Hermione. Yeah. Except I don't think Ron would be up for the whole magical theory thing. Mm, probably not. Apparently, comes up in a later chapter as they're discussing students and how Romina should pick hers. And what happened with Godric is he's one of the few who listened to some of her lectures and actually perked up rather than falling asleep. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's how they got to know each other. Salazar sleeps through the night. She's cast a little spell that will let her know when he wakes up. And she goes to greet him and she finds a passing brownie. And I'm not sure what exactly that is. I'm guessing that brownies are precursors of house elves because that was another name for like the brownies were the little elves who you left the bowl of milk out for and they'd come and clean your shoes or whatever. So either they're yeah, it's a kind of little mini elf. So I don't know if it's exactly the same thing as house elves and just a different name or they're the ancestors of house elves or, you know, Mm -hmm. so he's woke up and she brings the other two around and introduces them all. And after a little bit of a discussion, they decide that, you know, this could work. And he says that he would love to be able to stay and be safe during the full moons. And they ask him whether or not they should do the silver again or the stone. And he's totally turned off by the silver. So mm-hmm. he's, you know, anything but the silver. It's, that would be a better choice. And they say, okay. And Gydrick says, I'll make sure I don't, you know, suffocate you. And they decide that they're going to give this a try. Yeah. And at this point, Salazar is basically picturing a stone coffin that he can stand up in, and that's all the space there is. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that's not quite the idea. Right. I do like how when Helga's trying to bring them in to introduce, Rowena and Godric are coming down the corridor arguing, and Salazar's like, I hope they're not arguing about me. Yeah. And (laughs) she kind of cocks her head. No, no, we could talk to you. We could always argue later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We move on to chapter two, and he's been there for three weeks now. And he's always aware of the moon. And it's getting close to that time where it's going to be a full moon again, and he's starting to get a little antsy, and he's just not sure. And he's still not 100% sure that they're going to let him stay. He's just, Mm -hmm. he's waiting for the other shoe to drop. He's been a werewolf for so long that he knows how people treat them. And even though these people are trying to be his friends and trying to be open-minded, he's just sure that it's not going to happen and that they're going to ask him. And they just haven't even mentioned him being a werewolf for the last three weeks or whatever. And he's, on the one hand, he doesn't really want to talk about it. But on the other hand, what does that mean that they're ignoring it? What's going on? And he doesn't know. But Godric comes in and... (laughs) Apparently, Godric walks really quietly. Yes. Because fortunately, Salazar has finished stirring or whatever he was going to do. Then Godric says his name, and he's like, fortunately, he'd already straightened up or he would have banged his head on the side of the cauldron. Uh, yeah, it was cute. Rowena keeps telling him he should walk louder. And mm-hmm. Salazar says, that might help. I know cats that walk louder than you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got one here. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where the cat is. <laughs> and so Salazar is fairly certain that Godric has come to say that they have decided that he has to leave. And he's torn because he's, you know, he's in a house finally. He has, he's been basically on the run and living on his own for years now. 
and this is the first time since he's been bitten that he's been able to wake up in a bed and stuff. So he's really torn, and he just knows that they're coming to tell him to go, and he doesn't know if he should beg. Please don't make me go. Please don't make me go. And Godric has come in and said, I've been working on the room where we're going to keep you. Do you want to come and look at it? And he says, yeah. You're not going to make me leave? They're like, no, we've been telling you that for three weeks now. Yeah, and he's just sort of chanting inside his head and leaping up and down, even though he's trying to be calm. Stay, I can stay. In so many ways, it's it's very childlike. It's just him going, I can stay, I can stay. And just different stuff like that. It's just kind of, Mm -hmm. it's like a child in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And still, he's saying, are you certain that you can hold me? I don't want to be a danger. I do not want to attack you. And they're not blasé about it, but they're like, you know, we've handled you once before. We're not worried about it. And he just can't understand. Mm-hmm. He can't understand how they could not be worried about having a werewolf transform in their midst. Yeah. And he's really jumpy at this point because by now he's always been trying to get as far away from everywhere as possible every month. Mm-hmm. And here he is just sort of standing in the midst of a bunch of people. But they come to this unfamiliar part of the building where everything is a lot more cave-like. Audric has been apparently playing with things and making odd shapes in all sorts of spots. And here they have a very large stone egg that he's basically going to stay in. Mm-hmm. He goes in and he examines it. And he examines every inch of it to make sure that there's no way he's going to get out. And Godric just stands there and lets him. Godric's secure in what he's done, but he knows that Salazar has to see it all for himself. And then Salazar mm. casts this really interesting spell that kind of lights everything up. And he says, wow, that was cool. What kind of spell is that? And Salazar says, it's what I use on my cauldrons. And it tests for weaknesses and cracks and holes or anything. So he checks it out and mm-hmm. he's amazed it's a little bit bigger than he was than he thought it was. Like Scott said earlier, he thought it was going to be like a coffin. And it's kind of this egg-shaped room with very smooth walls so that he can't hurt himself. And Godric says, well, what else can I give you? Do you want furniture? Do you want blankets? And he says, I will destroy anything you put in there. And if you make stone furniture, then I'll either bash myself against it or break my teeth with it. So this is probably the best. Mm-hmm. He can't really imagine anything that he would want because he's never had any sort of comfort Mm-hmm. while changing, so he doesn't have any ideas of anything that would work. And yeah, Godric is just sort of trying to reassure him that they want to make this as easy for him as possible. Mm-hmm. And so the day kind of passes, I think we can get through this chapter fairly quickly, because the day just basically passes, and two hours before moon rising, he's in there checking it out again, and they all show up in there. They said, you know, you've got some time. And he is so afraid that he's going to turn before they're ready for him, that he wants to be there ready. And he tells them they don't need mm-hmm. to wait with him, but they, of course, are going. And at the mm-hmm. end, when Godric seals him in there, he kind of holds on to him until the very end. And just as he turns, Godric's hand goes through the stone, which has been shrinking around it, and the hole fills in, and he becomes a werewolf, and he can smell them. So he just goes mm-hmm. nuts. He can smell them. They're just on yeah. the other side. And he tears and scratches and just makes himself bloody and throws mm-hmm. himself against it, breaking his bones. And it's just, it sounds awful. 
That was something I was surprised that he didn't mention afterwards when they're, well, he was unconscious when they were trying to figure out how to make this better because obviously he'd injured himself horribly. But I was surprised at some point he didn't mention maybe cleaning the inside of the eggs so that there isn't any prey smell there when he's changed. I think he's never been in something that enclosed that would have such a potent smell in it because they all been in it. He's always been pretty much in the open. But now this is a soft container. It's just like the, he's, he's in Tupperware. Pretty much, and it right. keeps the smell on. And I think he didn't expect it either. Yeah, but even afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was a werewolf in like room sized Tupperware. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, what was it called? Everywhere? What was that TV show? Oh. Everwood? Uh, my friend Don worked on it. It was the little town Elvis lived there. It's an Elvis episode. This is the second time I've talked about Elvis. <laughs> the people slept in the little Tupperware containers and they didn't grow old. Actually, they were big Tupperware containers because the people that were actually able to sleep in them. It was called Readyware or Everwear or something like that. It's the huh. nice yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of that. I've, I've never heard of this. <laughs> What's it called? Oh, this is terrible. My friend worked on the show. You'd think I could remember this. So we moved to a place so wholesome, so squeaky clean you could only find it on TV. Unfortunately, nothing could be further from the truth. Sure, my new hometown looks normal enough, but look again. What's wrong with this picture? The American dream come true, right? Wrong. Nobody believes me, but this is the center of weirdness for the entire planet. Eerie Indiana. But back to the fic. It was a fairly short tangent, but yeah. <laughs> I found it neat that they cast the Caduceus spell on him again and it made him fall asleep. Right. The snakes this time were speaking almost to his werewolf side because it was so close underneath and talking about how snakes go out and bask in the sun, but returning to the den is a good thing. So it wouldn't feel so anxious about being mewed up. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. <laughs> oh, and uh, just to jump back further, just because I can, Godric plays pranks on Salazar at least once, because the line between daring and foolhardy is a very thin one, Godric says, and Salazar replies, and you dance across it gleefully every chance you get. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, not every time. <laughs> oh, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. Sometimes you do somersaults across it. <laughs> so then Godric made him do cartwheels in the corridors. Yes. That was fun. But anyway, moving on, they open up the egg again, and all of them are shocked because they thought him being confined would be better for him than it was when he first got there. And here he is, basically, he's battered himself bloody mm-hmm. and broken limbs and all this stuff. So Helga has to do a number of spells before they can even move him. And yeah. Yeah, she wants to get him warm. And, and we're very glad that they're wizards because... That would be bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're able to levitate him out without hurting him more. And with the two of them levitating him, Helga can walk alongside of him and, and heal him, or at least start the healing process. Mm-hmm. And Godric is blaming himself now. You know, he's saying, ah, can I make this stone softer? What can I do? They're just horrified at the amount of damage that he's done to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, when- and I think Rowena suggests maybe they can put a rabbit or a pig or something in there so he has something to attack other than himself. Because 
this is the other thing that's happened is once he's gotten so frustrated by trying to get out, he's done like Remus does in most of the mm-hmm. fix and possibly in canon and turned on himself. That's actually canon. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Remus makes the comment that he'll attack himself when he doesn't have prey to chase mm-hmm. after. Right. I think when they were explaining where the noises from the Shrieking Shack were coming from, things like that. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to think up things to make it better. And Salazar is mostly unconscious, but he wakes up a little bit and he thinks it's absolutely wonderful because he doesn't care that he's hurt. Right. He hasn't hurt anybody else. So everything is yeah, absolutely but, fine. Yeah. No one was hurt at work. Thank you. And they're thinking to themselves, why are you thanking us? We caused you all this pain. And he's saying, this is such a relief. This worked. I don't have to worry about attacking people anymore. And the relief that that must be is just amazing. And to him, it far outweighs any of the pain that he's caused himself. Mm -hmm. Godric tells him he has an unusual definition of wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) And next time they'll try and get him hurt less. And Mm -hmm. that's even better because they're still thinking of a next time. Right. That's just wonderful. And he's just so excited to have friends, friends that are sticking by him. It's just amazing to him. Mm-hmm. And they clean him up and start the healing and get him a little bit of food. And they, Helga says, you know, if you can eat the day before, that's going to help. And he said, well, maybe broth. You know, that he just, all he wants mm-hmm. is raw food and he doesn't want to do that. Yeah. And Rowena just sort of mentions in passing, I think they're talking about whether he'd be in the Great Hall or something, just sort of as almost as a joke, and she mentions in passing, well, it's not like we have guests or anything, and he's like, well, except me, and none of them have been thinking of him as a guest for mm-hmm. weeks now, yeah, except for himself. Part of the family. She says, we're very fond of you. Let's get you to bed. I think Helga says this, and he says, hmm, more women need to say that to me. And Godric snorts and says, that must mean you're feeling better. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, mm-hmm. usually I wake up in the middle of the woods. I'm not as badly beaten up as I am here, but I'm sore and I'm hurt. And I have to be able to magic myself up and get myself into a place of hiding. And then I have to do these rudimentary healing spells for as long as I can to get myself well enough to find food. You don't know how amazing this is. I'm in a bed. I'm clean. You're sending for soup. This is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And they have a bit of a tense moment when Helga sort of playfully feeds him some bread and mm-hmm. he almost snaps at her hand and he manages to stop himself. But it's still, he's horrified and she's a little startled. And Godric says, I don't think it would have done anything. I mean, I've been bitten by an untransformed werewolf and it didn't do anything. And they're like, you what? <laughs> yeah. And it turns out it was a child. And Salazar's just horrified again. You know, who would attack a child? Why would somebody do that? Yeah. Well, Remus was like four or yeah, three. He was, he was very young. No, there's mm-hmm. sick people out there. Yeah. What? Say it again. There's, there are sick people out there. Yeah, there are. There are. Yeah. back was just twisted. And Helga's trying various new healing spells because they are sort of an experimentation center, these three. Mm-hmm. And she's learning various things. And one of them has a visual effect, which is yellow and mostly silver. She tells him to close his eyes because <laughs> she doesn't want to freak yeah. him out. Mm-hmm. Salazar says, I never thought I'd like anything silver that much. But it's apparently great. 
Mm-hmm. Sort of a tendinary well, that's, kind of spell. that's probably where the, the gray and silver come in. Maybe. Mm-hmm. It comes oh, up I mean, green and silver. Yeah. Actually, they talk about that later, where the colors come from. When they start the school, they all pick colors, and he picks silver with the idea that if somebody starts to think that maybe he's a werewolf, they will think that they're wrong, because why would a werewolf have silver as his main color? So, mm-hmm. kind of thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. And they sort of have another awkward moment, because he's really relaxed, and he's basically burrowing into Helga's side, and then he's like, oh, uh, <clears throat> <laughs> Whoops, water, yes, I like water. Water's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the comforting. Godric fish. sort of tries to tease him about that, and I think that's a little bit later. But they're trying to tease him about their relationship, and he's just completely oblivious and confused for some time. And then Godric actually mentions flirting openly, and he's like, "What? I'm married." And that's another <sighs> startling point for us. Mm-hmm. Apparently, apparently, not actually married, but. He was. Right. And he forbids them from talking about it. And then he, he feels bad about it and he thinks, well, maybe I shouldn't have done this. And part of him thinks, you know, they don't have to actually obey me. So if they really want to talk about it, they can. They, I've asked them not to. I've forbidden them to. But, you know, they're their own people. And if they want to, they can. And he's just kind of torn because he wants to tell them. But at the same time, it's a really painful subject. Mm-hmm. Rowena is the one that's there when he wakes up. And this is a little bit fortunate because she's the one he was least feeling like he needed to apologize to. Mm-hmm. So it's a little easier for mm-hmm. him to start talking to her, I think. Right. And he sort of says some of this stuff that's gone through his mind that night and that morning that really he was overwrought and he didn't really mean they couldn't ever talk about it and if they wanted to, they could. He just There wasn't much for him to say. Yeah. And it turns out that he was married and their home was attacked by a werewolf. And he tried to protect his wife, but all he managed to do was get bitten himself and then not die. Right. And she was killed. And his town blames him for it. They think that he should have been able to do more or at least die. You know, if he mm-hmm. couldn't save her, then he could have at least had the good grace to die instead of becoming a monster. And that's so and sad. His own mother says that Salazar did die. There's nothing left there now but a beast. Mm-hmm. And that was just horrible for him. Yeah. Basically, they drive out, or he runs away at any rate. I don't think they actually were chasing him with six or anything, but it amounts to driving him out. Well, and I think they would have on the next full moon, but he leaves before Mm -hmm. that happens. That had he stayed, they would have killed him. Yeah. So he apologizes to her, and then he apologizes to Godric, and then he apologizes to Helga, and they all look at him like he's nuts, because they can't think of any reason why he needs to apologize. Because (laughs) It takes all of them a few minutes to figure out what it is he's apologizing for. Hmm, what? Oh, oh, that, right. Okay. Uh. Yeah. I also like that the reason Godric came in is he was following Salazar's second bowl of soup. Yeah. Because Rowena summoned it from the kitchens and it's just sort of floating through the corridors. <laughs> yeah, she knows that if they see it, that they'll just follow it, that they'll know he's awake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's especially awkward with Helga because... None of them particularly thought they were flirting, but they were probably getting closer than the other two. 
and oh neither God. of them think that's necessarily a bad idea, but they also, neither of them think the other one would go for it, so, right. yeah. <laughs> kind of see it as, like, the Florence Nightingale syndrome kind of thing. Maybe. Yeah, a little or bit. Or it's because right. the plot says so. Because the plot says so. Yeah, or because mm-hmm. we already know that Rowena and Godric are getting together, so these two have to. Yeah, I but like it is—he is doing the Remus thing there too, because he's like, "Well, I—I I mean, I was married. I guess I'm not really anymore, and she's really nice, and I like her. But you know, who'd want a werewolf anyway?" Yeah. Blah 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 blah. At which point you Sorry, sort of I smack him in the head, but yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah that's when I do want to smack him in the head. <laughs> But yes, they have a good talk, and he gets a lot of the stuff that, because he's been on the run for years, but he hasn't really had time to grieve properly for losing his wife and his home and all of that, because he's been on the run. Right. So he's a bit, like, serious that way, and like you were saying, he seems kind of childlike sometimes. I mean, he's a grown man, and it's not quite the same as being an Azkaban, where he's completely locked up in his own mind, but he hasn't really had the time for normal life experience and growing up the same way. So. Right. And I, I love how all of a sudden, you know, they're all three in there, or they're all four in there, and all of a sudden Godric's like, ooh, I got potions I have to do, and he kind of gives a look to Rowena, and Rowena's like, oh, oh, I have uh, dinner. Yeah, that's it. I have to go make dinner. Gotta go. Bye. And the, the two of them rush off and leave Helga and Salazar alone together so that they can have the talk. And it's just so contrived, you can tell. It's like, oh, yeah, that's it, dinner. Uh, uh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, it's like, I have a friend whose aunt needs help with her toner. Yeah. That lives in Baltimore. Kind of thing. Oh, I just remember. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Her friend's aunt. Oh. Or, see, the way I looked at it is, like, they wanted to go off and have their own private moment. Baba chicka bow wow. So, like, there is that. they were like, it's, oh, yes, okay, Helga and yeah. have started talking about potions, and Godric's like, if this is going to turn into a potions discussion, I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I was thinking, you know, Godric, it was code for let's go off and snog, because they two have to talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, maybe that is too. And also, what they take from it, the two of them, because Godric says, I have an experiment to check up on, and Rowena immediately goes, oh, dinner. And they're like, dinner is experimental. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somehow I'm glad I'm having the invalid food. Yeah. She says, well, Rowena did make her soup. And he's like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. He likes it. He looks at it as though he expected it to begin tap dancing around the room at any moment. Yes. Well, you know, if Ringlina's had a hand in it, it could, because she's been experimenting on all kinds of things. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. I love the little chairs. There's a couple of chairs that move around in there, and one is a little more well-behaved than the other. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. They have a really good conversation. Mm-hmm. And Salazar calls her a very odd woman because she actually listens to people, which is apparently quite strange. Mm-hmm. And that's when he reveals that it's his mother who said some of the most hurtful things. Yeah. I like that he says that he killed his wife. And Helga hesitates and says, you or the werewolf that bit you? And he says, well, it's the same thing. And she says, no. I can't imagine that you failed to save her for lack of trying. And you are still human most of the month anyway. And he says, but mm-hmm. I can always fill the moon 
and I can always feel the wolf beneath my skin. So I may act human throughout the month, but it's always there. And that's just kind of, you know, if he had said that to her on the very first day, she may have just left him, you know, because she was still a little bit afraid of him at that point. But by now they've gotten to know him. And she said, no, you're human. Mm -hmm. You have a home here for as long as you wish and friends for longer than that. And we'll never turn from you. And he says, never is a very long time. Yeah. So it's a little bit of possible foreshadowing to the end, depending on how they actually deal with that. I don't know what they're going to do, but on to chapter five. This is where they sort of, it's been a year now mm -hmm. and it's after full moon again. So he's recuperating still. And they've been talking, and they're wondering if maybe, since with the four of them, they've got all these different magical skills, they should start a school. Because right. usually people are just being apprenticed to whoever they're being apprenticed to, and they get taught what they were good at, regardless of whether it's what the pupil's likely to be good at. Mm -hmm. And they only learn one thing, or two or three things, or whatever it is that they happen to know. Right. And so they think it's a grand idea to start this school. And, of course, he says, okay, when should I leave? Don't worry about me, boo. Go and enjoy yourself. I'll stay here and be miserable. And she, mm -hmm. you know, smacks him upside what the head. Among the four of us, did you not understand? But yeah. Apparently he's particularly dense. Apparently. So they need him to be able to teach brewing. And she says, do you want to leave? And he said, no, no, I don't want to leave. But a school, I just don't want to ruin the entire venture. If people know I'm a werewolf, they're not going to let their kids come here. Pathetic. Just as I thought. No better from this side. And she says... Mm -hmm. He does have a point. Yeah. She says that his friendship's more valuable to them than the school. And if it won't work to have him there, then they won't do the school. But it's something to think about. And he's mm -hmm. like, okay, it's something to think about. Yes. <laughs> and then he says, okay, you can tell Godric and Rowena to stop lurking at the door. Come in. <laughs> oh, very well. We weren't lurking. We just, we just happened to be, be nearby. <laughs> you don't even try to be plausible, do you? <laughs> no, you wouldn't believe me anyway. So, Professor Slytherin, what do you Lycanthropic think? Lycanthropic reservations aside, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, and he thinks they're all mad. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's the beginning of Poufois. So it is. Everybody's mad and crazy. But I don't want to go among mad people. Oh, you can't help that. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> we just realized that? <laughs> Wait, what? No, <laughs> but this is where they sort of enumerate the ideas that more of them can teach better than right. just a single apprentice and master. Which makes sense. And so they're trying to sort of divide up who's going to do what. And Salazar can have potions, and Godric will have charms, and Rowena can do all the hard stuff that, that she tries to convince us is simple. She kind of makes an offended noise, and somebody says, there has to be something Rowena can manage to teach on a basic level. And Godric says, she could always take some of the ones who have had decent training, 
or perk up at her lectures instead of starting to look for an escape route. And she's like, I am still here, you know. And Godric beams at her. Yes, we know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's where we find out that's what happened with him. She was giving some sort of lecture or talk, and he was interested, and most of the rest of them weren't. And Salazar, teasing them a little bit, and he says, you know, if we're going to be teaching a bunch of students, maybe you two should actually get married instead of just sort of pretending you're not all the time, because you aren't fooling us, and you're not going to fool them. And Gundrick's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Double wedding, then. Salazar and Helga are like, um, eh, you? Helga's like, uh, Salazar, a little help. And Salazar says, you know, it's not a bad idea. And she's like, gulp. <laughs> now that's a proposal. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, soon, don't you think? Uh, okay, sorry. Skeptic in the corner. But they talk about it, and yeah, it's kind of what they would like to do. Mm-hmm. Apparently Salazar's been thinking about that, but not something he'd ever felt comfortable actually bringing up. So just as well Godric was being Godric. Right. Knowledge! And he does mention that he's not sure if the lycanthropy can pass on to children. And she says, I don't know either, but you know what? We're going to have plenty of children here if the school goes well. Mm-hmm. Scarlet says we all fell at the looking glass. We are crazy. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a little odd. So they really sort of managed to actually get together, even though they've been tiptoeing around each other for a year. And Helga had apparently resigned herself to becoming the crone mm-hmm. and, uh, Salazar doesn't think that's ever possible. If this is what all crones look like, they've received a very bad reputation. (laughs) So we skip off to the first day of school. 20 students are coming, and they've figured out the house thing already because they were having arguments about who they should take. Right. And they're as nervous as the kids who are, I mean, they're excited. They're like out on the steps waiting. Are they coming? Are they here yet? Are they here yet? You know, you can see them just like Helga is bouncing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was just like, are you bouncing? Well, yes, I think I am. <laughs> and <laughs> Salazar has something in his pocket that he keeps kind of playing with. And we find out that he's written a letter to mm-hmm. his family to let them know that he's married and that he's basically got a life. And he's going to have one of the people that's coming to deliver the children return it to his family on their way home. Because what they've arranged is that the parents that can are bringing their children and the parents that can't, they've arranged for people to pick them up, basically. Mm -hmm. And it turns out there's a muggle-born girl who's come from his hometown of Chester, Mm -hmm. which still exists. It's one of the capital cities. Well, it's... Not really capital, because I don't know how counties actually work in England, but one of the major cities anyway in Cheshire. Right. Which is where the Cheshire cat would come from. Mm-hmm. But Probably. That's completely neither here nor there. <laughs> here we go to the wooden Yeah. Oh, you're a cat. A Cheshire cat. So the kids finally arrive. And he's really excited, you can tell, because he's really hissing. I suppose it does. Mm -hmm. And then Godric breaks him up. Break it up! They're here! And here come all the kids. And they're jumping out and they're like, we're here! We're here! We're here! And then all of a sudden they see the adults standing at the steps and they're like, stop. And Helga's up there going, they're here! They're here! They're here! (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. Welcome to Hogwarts. I like that one. I wish I knew which house she was in. It sounds like someone that cheerful can only be yours. (laughs) (laughs) 
So they take him into the great hall where the acoustics are much better for talking. And Helga introduces herself and tells that she's teaching transfiguration and healing and introduces her husband, who's going to be the potions master, and Godric, who's the charms professor, and Rowena, who will be teaching advanced spell work. Mm-hmm. And they divide them up underneath their banners. And there's still, you know, Hufflepuff only has about four students, so there's not very many. With 20 kids, there's not going to be a bunch in each class, uh-huh. but there's enough. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the Parselmouth among them is in Gryffindor, because she has a muggle father and Salazar wasn't paying enough attention. Right. According to Godric, anyway. Now, one of the kids says, nobody told us that they had a Parselmouth professor. And Salazar says, all the Hogwarts professors have special skills. And we're going to develop yours. So work diligently. Mm-hmm. And they all cheer, and the one girl in Gryffindor hisses at him. Mm-hmm. But apparently, it's very obvious to them about Parselmos in this time, or at least Salazar is a particularly obvious one or something, because he hisses all the time. Yeah, I think the Parselmos hiss. That's just, they just have that elongation on the S sound. That's how mm-hmm. you're able to tell them. Part of it, I think, is that they don't have the bad connotation of, like, oh my god, a parcel tongue. Mm-hmm. They must be evil. Right. Oh, I was saying with Harry, Harry didn't realize he's probably never been really around too many snakes, probably in between, probably just like every time she saw a snake and just kind of jumped off his head as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. think he, he wasn't as practical. He might understand it because it's a magical ability, but it just wasn't happening all the time. Yeah. Um, And as Scarlet says, with Harry, it's not natural. He got it from Voldemort instead of inheriting it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes a difference. I mean, if you think about Myrtle's mother, what is her name? Dolph or Dolph now? Yeah, Myrtle. Yeah, Yeah, gone. I mean, all of them, they were always talking, and most likely probably when they did talk, in regular English or whatever, the S is probably good carry. It's like having a lisp and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like even when a child, say, that lives in a, um, like in a deaf family, but is hearing, hearing how they speak will mimic that more than anything. That's true. And it's just like anything else. You probably heard it. Mm-hmm. So they split up to take everybody to their dormitories. Apparently, the portraits and things were Godric's idea. He's got the fat lady already. Mm-hmm. She was there from the beginning, apparently. Yeah. And the bouncy, excited girl is chattering away to everybody, and it turns out she is from Salazar's village. Right. She doesn't immediately say that, but, well, I guess she does, because somebody finally breaks in to ask her where she's from. But she's talking about the story and how she's never been in a magic house and there were magic people in the village, but they didn't talk to them much. And one of them turned into a werewolf and ran away. And yeah, and, yeah. she's kind of like Hermione that way. She doesn't breathe much. <laughs> <laughs> By Helga's healer reckoning, the poor thing should have passed out from lack of air three corridors ago, which might have been an improvement, actually, she reflected, if she was going to keep going on about werewolves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Helga sort of inserts a few comments about treating werewolves in general because she had had a few before Salazar and doesn't mention him specifically, but right. that she's healed them and they're mostly Which, very nice people except for the one day. And I'm so sorry, have. I had to roll my eyes at. Like, that just made me completely nuts because canon is that the Marauders were very forward-thinking and accepting Ramus. 
so like a thousand years ago, that would be like, I can't imagine somebody going outwardly, oh yeah, werewolves are very nice people. Well, Mm. they've been like that since the beginning. I mean, everyone else that he's come in contact with has tried to kill him or at least sent him on his way. And Helga and Godric and Rowena have all been accepting of him. So I can see that. I can see her saying that. But there's a difference between being accepting of a person and shouting it from the rooftops, so to speak. Well, true, but on the other hand, she's talking to about four kids who are going to be under her as a teacher for the next year. So she has a certain position of authority or whatever to be. And And also it's Helga, because... I wouldn't expect Rowena to say the same thing, even though she also doesn't mind Salazar, but, you know. And she knows that there's a slight possibility that somebody's going to figure this out. And so she's planting the seeds. Not all werewolves are horrible creatures. Not all werewolves are bad all the time, just that one day. And you don't have to be afraid of them, except for that one day. So that when or if they do figure this out, at least they have that little seed to go, oh, wait a minute, maybe this isn't going to be so bad. As opposed to, ah, there's a werewolf. Mm-hmm. I can true. see your point, too, Kat. I'm just, I can kind of I, see I know. your I'm point. Just, I am the mm-hmm. snark of this episode. That's okay. <laughs> and I like the point they make where they're asking, can't werewolves chew through walls? And Helga's going, well, no, as long as you have good solid stone, it's perfectly fine. And they're like, well, most people's houses actually aren't made of stone. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, right, yes. And has to think about that a little more. Because they wouldn't have been at that point. Stone was an expensive thing to have. Open the door and let me in! So they go in and get to explore the Hufflepuff house for a while, and then they all go back and meet for dinner. And I love that Rowena almost lost her entire house to the library. It's like, uh, Rowena, why did you take them past the library in the first place? (laughs) To show students. And he's like, yeah, but not if you want to see them before the next week. (laughs) (laughs) And Rowena has cast a charm so that the four founders can be sitting at the table and having a private conversation that the students can't hear, but they can still reach out and talk to the students if there's a little mischief going on or anything like that. But so far we don't have Fred and George here, so I think they're safe for a while. (laughs) And Helga mentions, they sort of mentioned to her that her group looked a little more subdued than before. So she brings up the conversation they had and Salazar is convinced, oh, okay, well, I guess Megan must be going home. But she lets him know that she didn't actually reveal anything, that it was him, and Megan hadn't made the connection herself yet. Mm-hmm. So, Megan being the bouncy girl, by the way. Yes. Sarah is apparently the parcel mo. The idea is, after dinner, they're going to take the kids back to the dormitories, and they're going to hang out with them for a little while, and answer any questions and whatever that needs to be done, and then they're going to leave them alone to get acclimated, and they're going to go back and share a little time with themselves as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Helga suggests that 
Rowena should just put a library in the Ravenclaw room, because mm-hmm. then they won't all be running off to the library all the time. And Salazar is just kind of pleased that his students actually like the place, because he does no idea about decorating for children, so he didn't really bother. He just sort of put stuff in that he likes. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was happy that they didn't think anything of it, so it was cool. And then we move to um, the next chapter. We do. And again, it is after a full moon. It's been some time now since the first day. Helga is taking over Salazar's class for the day because he's, once again, confined to his bed. Mm-hmm. Usually, Godric or Rowena will take those so that she can stay with him because she's also tired from having been healing him. But at this point, they have other things on their schedule. So she's taking over, and they have all their instructions and everything, and Everyone was supposed to have picked a measure of, uh, what is it here? A certain plant, anyway, in order to, oh, eyebright. They were supposed to pick their eyebright so they could make the potion. And some of them haven't, but fortunately, David was ahead of the curve and picked a bunch of them for everybody. Yeah, because he knew somebody could forget. wonder if he's a Ravenclaw. Probably. And eyebright is actually an herb that works well for, I think, I could be wrong on this, but Eyebright, I think, is something that would heal pink eye and things like that. So okay. uh, it's one That's of the, the plants that we used to grow. Sorry, just had to throw in my little herbology there. Oh, why not? Thank you, Spencer. You can look it up and give people links about it. It's a plant native to Europe, apparently, with lots of tannins. Mm-hmm. Used for, yeah, inflammation, eye diseases, all sorts of yeah. things like that. That's why it's called eyebright. Mm -hmm. conjunctivitis is actually a disease as well as a spell so there you go (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) yep we're way off course so they're back here in the classroom and Sarah asks about Professor Slytherin if he's okay because they're beginning to notice that he's been sick a lot Mm-hmm. He was sick, so they had to cancel a session because he was wrapped up in a potion. But he seems to be sick a lot. And Helga says, yeah, he is sick a lot, but he'll be back with you in a day or two. And they say, well, you look tired too. And she says, well, that's part of the healer in me, and I have trouble sleeping if he can't sleep. And mm-hmm. Sarah says, you know what, I think I might like to be a healer. And they kind of talk about the great healers, the parcel mouth healers and stuff like that. And Sarah's just, you know, taking it all in and not paying attention to what's going on. And all of a sudden she says, you know, Professor Slytherin always seems to be out the same time every month. And she grins. I'd start to think that men might have moon times too. And Helga's kind of like, uh-oh. <laughs> but Sarah doesn't catch it. But Megan does. Mm-hmm. Megan is paying attention. Yeah. And Helga's like, no, but you'll hear letters about that when Professor Gryffindor's tending the lunar nightshade. And yeah. So she tries to sort of deflect things a little bit. Yeah. And also get her back to her potion because her partner's sort of been having to do everything because she's been Dang. absorbed in the conversation. Chatty, chatty. What was that? She's chatty, chatty, chatty. Mm-hmm. So. But after the period, Megan comes up and wants to talk to her because she's sort of had something click. Yeah. And she notices... He is away other times than full moons, but he's always away on full moons. And she's kind of noticed that under all the hissing, he sounds like he's from around where she's from. And she's wondering if maybe he is the werewolf who ran away. And Alga tells her, yeah, yeah, he is. You're right. He's the same Salazar you're thinking of. We weren't sure if you would make the connection. And she says, I'm proud of you for coming to me instead of scaring all your students. And she says... I really hoped I was being stupid, that I wasn't right. 
And Helga, you know, Helga's Helga. She's kind of building her up. You aren't being stupid. You're clever. And how do you feel? And now she's like, I'm scared and miserable because she doesn't want to leave. You know, it, mm-hmm. I can see that they're having this great time at the school and they're learning all these really neat things. And now she's found out something that could potentially make her have to leave. And again, Helga's saying, you know, it's okay to be scared, especially after all the stories that you've heard. But let's talk about this. And oops, and we lost Scott. Hi, Scott. What do you mean, busy? Scott writing. There he goes. Come on. And of oh. course, I got kicked off when the answering machine picked up. <laughs> that was it. No, we didn't hear the phone ring. Okay. So, where were we? Where Megan's figured out that Salazar is the werewolf that came from her village, and she's trying to figure out what she's going to do. Mm hmm. And, and it turns out. She actually wasn't born yet when he left, which is one reason why it didn't connect for her. Mm-hmm. And Helga's a bit surprised because she didn't realize he'd been wandering around on the run for that long oh. before they found him. You okay? Which was one? It, was that you, Trisha? They went, ugh? If I did, I don't realize I did it. Okay. <laughs> I think it was, you said yeah or something, and we just got the second half of the word. So I'm anyway. dumb to like blurt out things and I didn't realize I said it. So that's okay. <laughs> yes, I'm editing. I'm sorry, we're gonna go on a tangent here. I'm editing. I want to be a Weasley, and you, <laughs> you actually introduce yourself as MS Lupin, <laughs> and then swear at yourself for doing it. I left it. <laughs> sorry. Of course, you left it in. It was fun. I think that was the one where we had a bunch of rock song references or things that reminded me of them anyway. And I was going to put stuff in. Yeah, so far I've put in for sure. uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and two clips from the Music Man. Oh, there you go. And I'm 30 minutes in. <laughs> what? Is this the one I'm singing yet? No, that's the one that's coming out. No, that's Traditions. Oh my god. <laughs> that one comes out week after next. Yes, we did record this that long ago. And we did finish I Want to Be a Weasley. We just never had it released. So one of these days, as a surprise, we'll just pop that in there, and you guys will get to hear that one, too. Enjoy. She's sort of talking to Megan about what this means, and she asks her if she remembers what the villagers were planning on doing to Salazar before he left. And that's when it comes out that she wasn't there. And Helga realizes it's been a long time that she's been on the run. Mm -hmm. She brings up, they were probably going to kill him. So that's why he left. And she says, really, the thing is, do you want to stay at Hogwarts? Because if you do, we'll try and convince your parents if you feel you have to tell them about that. They're not even sure whether Megan will tell her parents that Salazar is a werewolf or that this is the Salazar that's there. But if she does, they will try and talk to them as well so that she can stay. Mm-hmm. And then Helga says, do you want to come and see him? He's still in bed, but I'm sure he's awake and I'm sure he'll want to talk to you. And Megan goes nearly chalk white, but she rallies pretty much and she says, yes, please. I think I would if you don't think he'd mind. And Helga says, mm-hmm. nope, I don't think he's going to mind. But just know that he's really tired and he probably looks terrible 
and he probably won't be able to talk for very long. Mm-hmm. And they go in, and Salazar says good morning to Helga first, and then notices that Megan's there, and so he he immediately knows what it's probably about. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I somehow doubt you're here because of a problem in potions. Nope, Megan was very clever, and she put together your illnesses, and she wanted to come and talk to you. And yeah. Salazar kind of knew. It's a very nice conversation. Mm-hmm. And he asks her if she's scared, and she says, yes, but maybe not as much as I was at first. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're honest. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, I'm sure Huggins already talked to you, but is there anything you want to ask me? And she says, I don't know. And then she says, you look dreadful. And then, of course, she turns bright and then she's instead like, of pale. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He says to her that, yeah, it's bad, but Helga's a good healer, and at least he knows that there's no way he's going to hurt anybody, right. which sort of brings it up a little bit again, and she flinches, but it also makes her think. And Helga brings up the point that there was nothing that said to her there's a werewolf around, apart from the fact that she figured out he wasn't around at these various times. So, obviously, he's not getting out and doing anything. Right. She knows that he's safe. Safe-ish. Mm-hmm. And, and Sarah would also want to help, but mm. he would rather she not tell anyone. Right. I think it's pretty likely that Sarah will figure it out herself at some point, but she hasn't as far as we know yet, so. I think it's a maturity thing, anything. You think it's a what? A maturity thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. if I was her, I'd be scared out of my freaking mind still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not only she's clever, she's very brave. To go into the room with him and just know that... Mm-hmm. Because she was from there and she's heard all the horrible stories all her life and everyone there is raised to never go out on full moon nights. And she kind of thinks it's a little weird that he and his wife would have been walking on that night because as far as she knows, everyone's always told never to go out. Right. But I suspect it's because of that, that that sort of spread for that particular village. Mm-hmm. And she apologizes, and he says, it's not your fault. You had no way of knowing, and you weren't even born. And she says, I'm surprised you let me come. And he says, mm-hmm. you were chosen for study by Professor Hufflepuff. That means you belong here. And she kind of gives Helga a glance, and then she says, yes, sir. <laughs> and they send her on her way. This is a pretty good story for Hufflepuffs, actually. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? <laughs> A clever and brave Hufflepuff. What's Scarlet have to say about that? Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders. I'm sure it's a good story for Ravenclaws, too. Yeah. I mean, you have David, the smart guy who picked all the plants, and, you know. Right. We think he was a Ravenclaw. No filing complaints. I'm sorry. I'm sure Rowena will show up in due course, but she has been absent for a little while here. Yeah, she'll come back. Not to spoil, but. She actually is very important later on in the story. So there. There you go. Um, Intrigue. So Megan heads off to go back and study, and Helga and Salazar have a little talk. Yeah. Well, this is where she brings up to him that she was surprised it had been so long, and she thought it had only been maybe a few years, and here it's been obviously over ten if this girl hadn't even been born when he left. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, now you realize why I was so shocked when you were all nice to me. It's it's been years that he's spent with nobody basically treating him kindly. It looks like there have been a few 
because he mentions there are some who try to be polite, but they all have this little flinch where they stare at his mouth or something, and Helga didn't do that at one point. That was another thing that was endearing her to him, that she wasn't doing that. And he had but tried other There healers. are at least a few people. Yeah, he had tried and other they healers. all throw him out. Mm-hmm. Did they say that all the kids are 11 years old? No, they're from 10 to 13, I think. Maybe 11 to 13, but I remember the 13 part. And he brings Uh, up the point that there aren't very many truly old werewolves, not only because they tended to run afoul of hunters, but the transformations take a great deal of energy. And she can tell that because it really seems to sap his strength. Just a little bit more each time, despite all the care that they take. Not to spoil, but... And that's kind of important. Mm, foreshadowing. <laughs> we didn't even know it was foreshadowing, but there you go. It is 10 to 13, by the way, I checked. So we don't know how they're spread in between that. Probably there are a number of them who are in the 11 range, which is why it's sort of settled there. But mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I like this bit because he says he's sorry about putting them through this every month. And she says, no apologizing. He says, yes, well, no apologizing without actually apologizing I- <laughs> yeah. Apparently, besides, you he make makes it, a, it up to her the rest of the month. Yeah. <laughs> More than never doubt, and she kind of she's <laughs> crawled in bed with him, and she's starting to fall asleep. And he says, "Maybe somebody else can take my classes." And she said, "There's nobody else around, but I have a little bit of time before the class." And she falls asleep, and I'm left wondering whether or not she woke up to get to class on time, or if that class just didn't have somebody in it. (laughs) Free period! Starting to consider getting some other teachers in because of this. There's only four of them. Even though there's only 20 students, that's still enough to run them around a little bit. Yep. And And that... They'll get more each is year the end of our since they're gaining some. And as Scott said, yeah. I walked all over it's him. It's only the first year. This is the end. <laughs> he tells her to sleep well, and he's falling asleep himself, and we end off for the week. And obviously, as Sue has been dropping intriguing hints, we will <laughs> all have to come back next week to find out what happens. Yes. Oh, fine. We so. may even have interesting special guests, but who knows? <laughs> We're trying. We're trying. So maybe I should have said this at the beginning, but basically the background of finding this story is that while the main podcast was reading A Tale of a Time Long Gone, they decided that that was going to be their canon. And P.S. said there have to be other Founders fix out there that are good, and I'm going to find one. This is the one that she found. And having... Even more interesting and coincidental that it's the same authors as our founder fix we did mm-hmm. while they were doing those. Which we really liked. We liked the banter and, and everything of the Thinking Cap stories. We liked those a lot. So that was kind of a plus in favor of me pulling this onto the schedule. And I did like the way this ends. I thought it was a very interesting way to pull it off. So I will be very <laughs> interested to hear well, I'm what you guys be doing. think. You what? Sorry, I, I'm a really bad, when I read things, like especially books, I read the ending. Ah. <laughs> you read the First. ending, really? Sneaky, sneaky. Yes, I read the last page of every book. I know somebody else that does that. first? It's, yeah, yeah, they read the last page or the last chapter first because they're like Ryan. They like to know how it ends and they like to see the way that you get to that ending. 
I just want to know because it's like, oh, I want to know what the ending is. <laughs> well, this, this, is awful too. This, this is how I know a book is really good. If, if I'm reading it, I'll just like, when I'm reading a book, if I'm going in there, I'll jump ahead and be like, read two or three paragraphs. And then I go back to where I was and read because I want to get there. If it's good, I'm going to get there faster. That's how I know I'm reading this book. Mm-hmm. I'm horrible. You're terrible. So what did you say? Did you like the ending or no? Without oh, no, giving I'm gonna read it anyway. I'm sorry. Say it again. I'm going to read it now. She likes the story enough to jump ahead and read the ending. (laughs) I gotcha. You're checking it out now. And Kat, I know that you have some reservations about this, but at least in the first six chapters, what did you think? It it was okay, which is high praise for me coming. You know, first, I've read a lot of fanfic, and more specifically, I've read a lot of bad fanfic because you know in the early days back in you know oh two oh three i would just go on fanfiction.net scroll down find a summary that i like and read don't do it it's not good to do that because getting really really bad effects in there my first step to me liking a fic is i can read it like i can get through it it was a struggle for me to get through this one but i got through it so, well, we'll see. I'm, you know, I'm a little wary of the fact that Salazar doesn't seem Slytherin enough for me to be a Slytherin, which is ironic. But, I mean, I just see him as Remus Lupin. And then my other big thing is, this really seems like it was set in the modern day or, like, the 1970s. It does not seem like it took place a thousand years ago. And I'm not talking about the dialogue, because... As a writer, it's hard to change the way that you think about writing dialogue. It's just in everyone's attitudes, and I'm all for women's rights, and I'm all for everyone having an equal opportunity, but it irks me when fics are not historically accurate, especially canon, because, I mean, this took place a thousand years ago, but it doesn't read like that. It, It reads like... You know, the women are doing whatever they want, and that wouldn't happen a thousand years ago. And it pulls down that fourth wall a little bit for me, because I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, so I can I can see the author behind the curtain. And as I said, I don't like it when I can see the author behind the curtain. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. It probably is the author's attitudes coming through, because they are both women from the modern era, so they don't want to be writing, you know completely subservient women or whatever and that wouldn't be interesting to read either but it's harder to find the balance there as well yeah i don't know what they should change to make that different i mean part of it i think there would be difference anyway among the magical community just because there's no physical strength component witches can cast spells just as well or better than any wizard as long as they learn how true so i don't really agree with that because i can see how it wouldn't necessarily have shown up as much because the muggle attitudes would still be there as well. That Like, that's their environment. So, you know, I can see your point, but... I, I mean, I know a lot of people who make that argument that women in the magical community, it could be different. It could be that they have always been equal. But, I mean, look at Murop in the sixth book. When we're looking back on the 1930s, and I know this was an extreme example, but it's hard mm-hmm. to be like, oh, okay, yeah, so this is an automatic thing. Yeah, there, there that, were certainly you know, 
patriarchy and oppression and such in the wizarding world as well. So they're an exceptional example. They're not the rule for their time and place, but because of their situation, they have a certain amount of freedom that way anyway, because it's just the three of them. They're just all in their castle. Okay, so I am willing to accept that these two women are the exception of the rule. It seems like a lot of their students are young girls, which would never happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a very valid point, and I can see what you mean there. But at the same time, it doesn't bother me enough to take me out of the story, because I'm also modern and I have most of the same attitudes, so I agree with most of the things that are happening, even if it wouldn't be historically accurate. I mean, I like to have historical accuracy in things. I always enjoy that when someone has gone to the trouble to research and has obviously gotten things right. But it's not something that I immediately thought of as being a problem. There's certainly more of that in, for example, the tale of a time long gone that the podcast covered last season, because they start from all of them as children and show their surroundings and how they grew up and all that kind of thing. So we get more of the medieval environment. But I don't know. Now that you've brought it up, I can certainly see it, but it's not something that occurred to me, I guess. Mm-hmm. I would say that it wasn't something that I was thinking about as I read it. But now that you've brought it up, I can certainly see it. Now that you've brought it up, what it brings to my mind is that Helga and Rowena must be exceptional witches because I would think that in that time, two unmarried women with two unmarried men, whether or not they could chaperone each other, would be looked down on. And mm-hmm. it, it seems that Rowena was there first and Helga came later. So they seem like they would be the type of people that would kind of flaunt traditions. And they're mm-hmm. more interested in the spell work and the experiments that they're doing and the friendships that they've made than they are in what other people are going to say about them. Yeah. It would definitely interest me to see how the rest of them came to be there, because obviously Godric and Rowena have been working together on their magical theory things for some time, and they came together to this area in order to experiment without being people caught in the way. And Godric has sort of created this castle from whatever they started out with. But the fact that we know Rowena has given... Hello? Scott? Hello. He hasn't dropped I'm yet. here. Nope, there he went. Okay, he on. just dropped. I'm like, hello. Obviously, Godric and Rowena have been doing their spell theory thing for some time, and they've come up here to do that. And Godric discovered her when she was giving a lecture, and he was one of the ones who was interested. I don't know if it was a formal lecture somewhere, or if it was just she was ranting like Hermione at something or whatever. But the fact that she would be standing up and doing that in some situation is interesting. And where would that be happening, that he would come across it? And it would be interesting to see where the rest of them came from to this point, because this is really, this whole thing has been Salazar's story. It's him coming into them already in progress. They've obviously been established the way they are for some time. That makes sense. But yeah, I enjoy the story anyway. And even though it would be neat to find a prequel sometime, I don't mm-hmm. expect they're likely to write that, but who knows? I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the second half because, yeah, Salazar definitely isn't looking like stereotypical Salazar at this point. So either some drastic things have got to happen or some really weird telephone has gone on down the ages with the history. So 
We'll have to see. We shall. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Sue knows what happens and can't say anything. Oh. <laughs> Remember what you said, Scott, because that's very good. Alrighty. We're going to put you down as a mic prediction. Yep, yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, like I said, I liked it. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't have put it on the schedule. It just drew me in. And like I said, I haven't read a lot of other Founders Fix. I really liked the author and the fix that she had done before. So that really kind of leaned things for me. And I like the way that this all kind of comes together and what happens in it. So that's why I put it there. And hopefully you guys will like it too. All righty. Well, I think we've all sort of said our piece. And um, Scarlett has taken her duct tape and gone home, but I think she liked it. Mm. And I'm sure we will hear more or not hear more from her next week. Yes. And hopefully the rest of you will be back to listen too. So, uh, night. Good night. Good night. 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 Bye. So hold on to the wonder that those books Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.